0: Welcome to the I Will Teach You A Language podcast. Weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Hello. Bonjour. Hello. Hola. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the I Will Teach You A Language podcast. Hope you're having a wonderful week. My name is Ollie Richards, and this show is all about helping you become a better language learner so that you can live your best Life and talking of living your best life, I've got something very interesting for you today, totally different from normal, but something that I think will be extremely interesting for a small number of listeners. Now, this might not be up your street, in which case you might want to give this episode a miss, but if you've ever thought about living abroad, not just traveling, but actually picking up, moving, and living abroad to live out a, a period of your life in the sun or you know, wherever it may be. In the cold, who you knows? People like living in different places. Then this is going to be for you. In this episode, I'm speaking with my good friend Mikhail Thorup, who runs a company called Expat Money, which is a boutique consulting company that helps expats with offshore living and investing. He runs the expat money podcast, and is the author of a book with a fantastic title, which uh, holds nothing back. It's called Expat Secret, How to Pay Zero Taxes, Live Overseas, and Make Giant Piles of Money, which is, you know, respect to Mikhail for, for releasing a book with a title like that. This guy is fascinating. He's traveled the world for over 20 years straight. He's visited, visited over 100 countries. He's a He's a great language learner. And what he does now is he focuses on helping people who want to relocate to live a new life abroad, do that. So, if this sounds like something that uh, is on, on your bucket list, something that you might be interested in, then you're going to get some great tips from this episode. You're going to hear about Mikel's fascinating backstory. You're going to hear some uh, about uh, you're going to hear about some of the different places to become an expat. So, what are some of the most popular countries, places where you can get permanent residency, including one country where you can get permanent residency for only three thousand dollars including visas for your entire family. You're going to hear about the difference between permanent residency and citizenship, and also why you should not worry about moving abroad, even if you think you don't have enough money, you're too old, or it just feels like a lot of hard work. So there's a lot here for you if living abroad is on your bucket list. So without any further ado, please enjoy my interview with Mikael Thorup. Mikael, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. It's great to see you. Welcome.
1: My pleasure. Thanks so much. I this is overdue. I think I've had you on my show maybe two or three years ago, and then we've done a couple of conference together,s and summits together,s and webinars. But now is my opportunity to be on your show, so I'm really excited about this.
0: Yeah, well, it's like you say, it's been a long time, long time coming, and um, this is going to be a real treat for people listening today because this episode is not going to be for everyone, but it's going to be very, very interesting for certain people. And the, the thing that the thing that's uh, I think the reason that we were that we're, that we're friends and um, and we always got on really well is because we have this kind of a lot a lot of background in common from everything to like family to, to interest in languages to living all around the world and so what we're going to be talking about today is for people who are maybe getting itchy feet thinking you know maybe a life abroad somewhere else might be might be fun could be interesting I wonder what that would entail but but thinking to themselves well, it sounds like a little bit too much hard work you are here to tell people exactly why it's not just well, probably not straightforward, but it's definitely doable. And it can be, uh, well, you know, as soon as you tell people about your, 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 your life, they're gonna be uh, jealous immediately. So why don't you give us a little, uh, a little bit of your backstory?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for my, my background, I have to kind of go quite far back in time, but I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. So basically when I was a child, I was diagnosed with le- uh, with a learning disability. And I was in grade three and my teacher, they pulled me out of class and they brought me to a little room and the teacher was there and the resource teacher and the principal and vice principal, yada, 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 three, four adults and little old me. And they sat me down and they said, Mikkel, Mikkel, something doesn't work quite right in your brain. And what we want to do is we want to send you to a special school, special school for special boys. And that's what they did every year, Ollie, for three years, I got on a little white bus and I took the little white bus across town and I went to this special school. But the only problem was it actually was not a special school. It was a regular school with a special class. So you can kind of imagine what happened. You know, this this small little class of just a few people and in a big school, you know, I started getting picked on. I started getting in fights. I started getting bullied. Now this is no woe is me story, poor Mikkel, poor Mikkel. Like, I gave as good as I got. I'm, I'm no victim. There's no question about that. But I really, really hated school. I hated the entire experience of it. So it's funny. They, after my three years, I got a chance to go back to my normal uh, neighborhood school. And I thought, wow, this is going to be so amazing. They are going to be missing me so much. My friends are going to be looking forward to seeing me. You know, is this, everything's going to go back to normal. I don't have to come home from school every day, like crying my eyes out. And once again, you can probably imagine what happened. I went back to my neighborhood school and they all started, you know, gossiping and whispering. And uh, I really didn't like school at all. And it was funny, they wouldn't even send me to, you know, take French. I'm, I'm from Southwestern Ontario, I'm, Canadi- I'm Canadian. They wouldn't even send me to French class or anything like that because they said, you have so much problems with English that you'll never be able to learn another language. Like, we, we're going to give you a resource period. And don't worry about learning another language. So I kind of always had that in my head that like you can't have a le- you can't uh, learn another language because you have dyslexia. That's my learning disability. It's a form of dyslexia. So go forward. I get into high school and basically I start failing. I hate school, so I stop going. And uh, they send me to summer school and I fail that and stop going to that. And by 12 years old i just stopped going to school completely Uh, And at 15 i officially dropped out and i started traveling i started traveling internationally uh, about a year or two after that and i started meeting all these incredible people i had a chance to go through europe a couple of times while i was a teenager i went to ireland england and wales when i was about 17 and then i was 19 i went to north africa and back to europe and all over western europe i met all these amazing people and they were doing things in such completely different ways than we would ever do in southwestern Ontario. And I started to realize, like, there's really not only one way to learn things. I mean, it doesn't have to be in a regimented way, you know, sitting at a desk in school, and that's it. Well, fast forward, and um, I basically dedicated my entire life to traveling and living as an expat and living over, overseas. And I've been at it for 21 years now, and I've been to more than 100 countries, and I'm now living in my ninth country, we're in Brazil today, but I also have a house in Panama, I lived in the Middle East for eight years, I lived in the South Pacific for four years, in Asia, and all over the place. And it's been such an amazing experience, and I've been able to study languages and meet all kinds of people in different cultures and different societies, and it's really opened my eyes. And I'm, I feel very lucky about it, I suppose.
0: What a fantastic story. And, and there's a lot in there that I didn't actually know myself. So thanks for, um, thanks for telling us all that. It is interesting how life takes us in, in different ways, isn't it? And how, you know, the little things that happen to us at different points in our life can, can have such massive impacts on, on, on what we do. There's a little thing that somebody says or a place we go or a decision that someone makes can just end up sending us, down these crazy paths that we could, that we could never predict. What does traveling mean to you?
1: Well, I mean, it's kind of a difficult question because sometimes people will ask like, well, you know, what would your life be like without traveling or or like you said, like what does it mean to you? I mean, I started traveling internationally as a teenager when I was just discovering who I am. Like I'm 38 years old right now. Um, there is no possible way for me to separate travel from Mikkel. Like travel is what shaped me and my life. And I guess I travel so much and have been at it for so long. Well, number one, because I love it. But number two, because I love what it does to me. Like I am constantly challenged by it and I like challenging situations. So I don't go out there and purposefully make things hard, but I go out there and try to find things that, you know, might scare other people or um, other people think that can't be done. I mean, those things never scared me. I mean, living to another, living in another country, moving overseas, having my kids born in, in other countries, buying properties, investing, getting residencies, learning languages in other countries, none of these things were ever very frightening to me. I actually got really excited about them. I still get really excited about them. I just think it's so cool and so fun and you know, I still have so much passion about it. And now I've been able to transfer it into a business where I actually help other people to do these types of things. So I have a business and a podcast, which you have been on called The Expat Money Show. And I help people to relocate, mostly from the United States and Canada, but really from anywhere in the world. If they're looking to move overseas to get a second residency, do it in a tax optimized way, you know, I can help with all those types of things. So it's like, not only get, do I get to do this for myself, but I actually get to help other people do it. I'm like, not to be overly cliche, but I mean, this is awesome. Like, this is the greatest thing ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's it's so cool look, what you've what you've done and what you've created. And I guess for for a lot of people, you know, the, the the more as years go by, things do tend to get scarier and we get more entrenched, don't we? So as you as you're kind of explaining the things that you did when you were younger, and you know, when you do stuff when you're 19 years old, as I well know, like you do, you can do like that's the best time to do crazy stuff because then you realize actually you know you can do pretty much pretty much anything if you if you set your mind to it but then if you try and do those things like later in life it's still completely possible but we have a lot of limiting beliefs and so i want to go through some of these, these these beliefs right now because there will be people listening who would love to live abroad to relocate their life abroad but but just there's just too much to think about and it probably seems quite scary i've got to sell my house i've got to get insurance i've got to i don't have enough money or too old or all these different things so let's let's go through these kind of one by one i'll start with the ones that i can think about you know if you if you said to me right ollie you're going to relocate abroad even though i've lived abroad many times here are some of the things some of the reasons why not that i might give you so first of all I just think it would be too expensive to relocate my family abroad.
1: Well, okay, let's 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 dig into this one, because this is a very good one. People seem to think that the whole process is very expensive. So let's break it into a couple of categories. You're in the UK. A lot of my clients are in the US. I'm from Canada. Well, one of the main things that people have to deal with is taxation. Now, I try to focus on more tax favorable jurisdictions. So for example, I live in Panama and they do a territorial tax system, which means that if you're earning your money outside of the country, you are not taxed on it. You're not taxed on it by the Panamanian government. So if you have an online business, you're a coach, a consultant, a dropshipper, you work remotely, you work for your company back home, you're not taxed in Panama. So think about how much, we're just gonna file these away. Think about how much every year do you pay in taxes? $10,000, $50,000, $100,000? $100,000? I don't know. But let's put that aside. A second one is insurance. For my American clients, insurance is a really important thing because everything is private. And the insurance costs can be really expensive. I have lots of friends who are paying 22, dollars dollars $28,000 a year insurance for a small family. Now, I'll tell you, I have private insurance in Panama. I have worldwide insurance that covers me everywhere in the world. And I have platinum coverage. I have dental and inpatient and outpatient. I get all my pharmaceutical, logical drugs and everything like that if I needed them. It's all covered. And for my family with kids, I pay about $5,000 a year. And that's all private. I mean, so we have the opportunity to go and see a specialist at the drop of a hat. I mean, if I need to see a specialist, if there's a, I don't know, a dermatologist or something like that, you make an appointment and you go see him the next day. Boom, done. So there's another $15,000, $18,000 you're going to save. Let's take a third example, cost of living. Cost of living overseas can often be much more affordable than living in North America or in Western Europe. I mean, I'll give you a couple of examples. I have delivered to my house in Panama, a giant sack, a huge sack of organic fruits and vegetables. It costs us about 70 to $75. And we get this twice a month, and that covers us the entire month for fruits and vegetables. Now, imagine if you were to go to the organic grocery store in your hometown or in your city, and you were gonna try to buy only organic fruits and veg. How much would you spend on something like that? Well, it's the same thing with meats, with dairy, with eggs, with all of these types of things. Okay, so cost of living, food, much less. Then you can buy back time. In a lot of the countries that I help people to move to, you can buy time. So what does this mean? Well, you know, we don't clean the toilets in our house. We don't wash the floors. We don't do the windows. I mean, we have a helper. We have a domestic help that comes. And we actually pay him twice the amount that most people would pay their staff. And I feel good about this. I, I like doing this because First of all, I know he's gonna be doing a good job. And second of all, I know he's gonna be able to support his family and be able to take care of his family. So I don't try to nickel and dime people or anything like that. But still, when you're paying twice the price that anyone else is, you're still getting it for a very reasonable amount. So for example, in Panama, a, um, a maid or a domestic help, you pay about 350 to 500 US dollars a month. I pay my guy thousand dollars for me that works now try to think if you had in your hometown like full time help 40 50 hours a week coming in and cleaning and carrying groceries for you and um, you know i i have a man so he he drills holes in the wall and hangs up pictures for us and builds my kids toys and stuff like that i run a successful business i don't have time for those types of things i try to leverage my time to do things that are going to help my clients the most. So me cleaning toilets is not a good use of my time. I would rather use that time to either be studying and learning or helping a client or creating content. So when you add all of these things up, actually moving overseas could be one of the best financial decisions you ever make. The cost can be so much less and you can do so much more. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it really, it really does when you, when you put it like that. I guess a lot of that kind of is, is, is on the assumption that, that there's a certain amount of kind of constants, right? So your kind of income stays the same or whatever it may be. So I'm curious on that front, do you, the people that you help to move abroad, do they tend to, let's say you're a homeowner. Um, and so let's, let's say that you are, you're a homeowner and you, you work remotely, so you work online. Right. Um, so in that scenario, you'd you say, okay, well, you're probably gonna keep your, keep your job and so your income remains the same. Do people in this scenario tend to sell their home? Um, do they tend to, to rent it out longer term? Um, what 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 do you what do you see people doing?
1: Both. Be honest, both. I mean, lots of people are not sure if they're going to like it, and so they will go overseas and they'll put the place up on Airbnb or they'll do a long term rental or they'll do some combination, you know, short term and long term rentals. I have some people who just keep their home back in the States, move overseas and just have someone come and water the plants, because they don't know, am I going to like this, am I not going to like this, what is it going to be like, but the nice thing is, if you decide you don't like it, you can just go back, I mean, it's just an experience that you've had, nothing is um, final, you can always make a, a change. So I think this is a really good option for people if they're worried about you know, getting rid of all of their stuff and selling their home and getting rid of their car. You know, ease into it. I mean, it doesn't have to be a stressful situation. I recommend people go overseas, rent an Airbnb for two or three months and see what it's like. Do you, do you like it? Do you like the neighborhood? Do you like working or speaking to people on the street in a different language? Do you like the interactions with the local community? Do you make friends? Is there a church or a synagogue or a mosque or something like that? If you if you practice a faith, you know, do you meet people who have common interests? What is the food like? I mean, try it. Yeah, that's it's an going int- to be different. Like yeah. that's that's the point. <laughs> that's you know. Sure. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an
0: interesting question because one of the one of the other things that I would have on my mind if I was about to gonna kind of, pick up everything in move report, Well, this is just too much of a life change. You know, I think of all the things. I've got to take care of the bills. I have to sort out my tax situation. I don't even know what my tax situation is. I've got to figure out what to do with my house. And then I can, I could make that move and I might not even like it. at all when I get there. So I think that's a great piece of advice you you gave there to actually just go and exp, try it out for, for a while before you commit to it. And something I always try and do whenever I'm thinking about making, making a big life decision, like buying a car or moving abroad, I always think to myself, well, how can I just try this out for, for a short amount of time. And you know, can you rent the car for a month instead of buying it? Can you, can you, can you go in a, to an Airbnb for a month in the place you're thinking of going before you commit to moving there? So w- what are some of the big hang-ups that people have about kind of just org- in purely practical terms, like organization, okay. the kind of things that, well, what do people tend to worry
1: about um, with, logistically when, when making a move like this? Okay, one of the main things that comes up is, well, I don't speak the language, you know, or I don't speak the language well enough. And I get this. I mean, I've lived in lots of countries where I don't speak the language. First of all, I would argue on that one that if you wanted to, you could just get by on English in most countries. I don't recommend it. I think that you'll have a better and richer experience when you learn another language. However, if that was your choice, at least you're out there. At least you can give it a try. I think that a lot of people with the language side, they seem to think like I did for many years in my life because I didn't do language well in school, because in my case, I had dyslexia that therefore I'm never going to be able to learn the second language. Well, I can tell you straight up that the way that languages are taught from traditional education is a terrible way to do it. Like, I mean, you have some amazing courses, Ollie, there's friends you can make, like I have a buddy of mine in Panama, we go and shoot pool. I mean, outside of COVID, we go and shoot pool every single week and we have a couple of beers. His English is pretty terrible. Well, that forces me to speak Spanish. So we speak a little bit in English to help him and a little bit in Spanish to speak to help me. Now, yes, I can go out there and pay for lessons. I mean, that's fine. But I genuinely like this guy. Like he's just a cool guy to hang out with. So I'm not having to dedicate time just to language. This is, My fun time as well. So now I've partnered it up. I'm taking it and bringing it into my normal life. I think that's important. Um, Or making friends. I think that a lot of people seem to think, you know, they've got their friends from high school, their friends from college. They've known them their whole lives. And they've forgotten the ability how to be social with new people. But when you're an expat, you're often on even footing with everybody else out there. I mean, you have people from all over the world who are moving to that country. So it's not unusual for you to just go up and start a conversation with someone. If you enter into a new group of friends, maybe they've only known each other for two years. It's not like going into a group of friends in Toronto or something where I'm from, where maybe they've known each other for 30 years, and they're going to have all this insider information and clicks and inside jokes and things like that. It doesn't really exist when you're an expat. I mean, people actively want to make friends. So I think that's a really good one. Um, I mean, there's just so many things that there is an opportunity to do in a slightly different way. And I guess it's your mindset over it because for me, all of these things, socialization, making friends, languages, the money, the savings, the organic food, all the things we've been talking about, and this is an opportunity. Like this is exciting stuff for me. This is the best things. I don't, I don't understand why people would get super stressed about it, but if you do, then that's okay. Take your time and relax. You know, it's doesn't have to all be done at once.
0: Yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, so much of this does come down to, I, I guess that there's, a, there's a, a, an always, always a kind of fear of the unknown, isn't there? And we, we it's it's natural for us to be we're hardwired to be to be slightly intimidated by things that we don't know. But like you say, I mean, I can attest to this. Like often, um, you know, when you do join a new community abroad, it can be you know often the most welcoming experience you can have because people know what it's like uh, to be new, and um, and and there's there's a lot of um, kind of solidarity, strength in numbers, all those all those kind of things, and ex- expat communities. I mean, there's the downside of the English bubble, of course, which is a different different topic, but in terms of pure practicalities, you know, everywhere you go, you've got Facebook groups, you've got forums of people discussing, oh, you know, how do I get a phone connection here? How do I get mm-hmm. fast internet? And this is just standard everywhere in the world. So it might sound scary, but it really isn't something to be scared about. I imagine a lot of people, maybe there may be some people listening to this who are you know, who are who are who love languages, who have traveled a lot in the past, and they really would like to you know, spend the next phase of their life living abroad in somewhere anywhere from i don't know mexico to colombia or spain or, or whatever it may be and it just sounds like an, a dream that's just a little bit too good to be true because maybe they feel like that they're past an age where this is kind of practical maybe they feel a little bit too advanced in years to take on such a big change like this well, what do you
1: say to someone with those doubts You know, i used to get these doubts a lot more several years ago, but actually a ton of my people right now who hire me as a consultant or to work through the visas and things with them, they're actually in their 60s, mid 60s. I have some people we're helping who are in their 70s. You have to understand that life expectancy is much longer now today. And retirement is very, very different than it was, you know, with our parents' age or with their parents' age. It wasn't kind of you worked until 60 and then you just sat around and played golf. I mean, people want active retirements. They want to go out there and do things. A lot of my people are starting not even their second career or third career. Sometimes they're now on their fourth career or fifth career. A lot of people don't want to sit around and do anything. They want challenges. It's actually very normal to want this. And I encourage everybody. I mean, if you're thinking about this, if you're dreaming about this, this, if this has been on your bucket list, then I mean, what do you have to lose? I mean, go out there and try it. Lots of other people are doing it. And I can tell you firsthand, if, if someone else can do it, then you can do it. I mean, that's my mentality. I know if someone else has done something then I know it's physically possible, then I know I can do it. I mean, I just don't see, you know, I think that everybody should give it a try if it's something that you're interested in. There's so much reward, there's so much benefit there. It can be so life-changing. Like, I'll I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. So I'm Canadian with Danish heritage. Yeah. Uh, My wife is from mainland China and I met her in Germany. Then we got married in Africa and my daughter was born in Abu Dhabi. Now we have a house in Panama and we are currently living in Brazil. We're in Brazil for four months right now. So it's like, If I didn't have that mentality of going out there and trying things, I wouldn't have met my wife. Um, I wouldn't have been able to have my honeymoon on a beach in Africa, you know, wearing no shoes and just sandals. Um, We have multiple languages in our house at any one time. There's always three to four languages being spoken around the table. I mean, that for me is really cool. That's a really cool opportunity. I mean, I don't think of that as a hassle or a downside or I'm too old or I don't have enough money or I have a learning disability in my case, which was my big um, false belief pattern that I had to overcome. Does that all make sense? Like, do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like, there's just so yeah. much out there and there's Absolutely. so and, much and I guess, that you can accomplish. Don't let things hold you back.
0: And I guess, especially when, um, when there is a way to kind of bridge the gap from being, from from it seeming a little bit too unknown, a little bit too big of a leap. I mean, you don't have to do it by yourself. That's the point, right? You can, first of all, there are plenty of other people doing exactly that. And then there are people like yourself who can actually kind of help you figure out exactly what you need to do. And then before you know it, you're kind of there and you realize, oh, it wasn't that difficult after all, was it? So I want to ask you about some practicalities now, specifically in terms of places, because a lot of people will be thinking, well, okay, well, where's, where's a good place to go? Because I imagine there are some places that are better than others and some places that are easier than others, more convenient or less convenient for expats. So I want to, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure which order to ask this question in, so maybe you can guide me, but in my mind, I've got two questions. What are some good places for expats to go? Assuming that I'm you know, ag- place, location agnostic, and I don't have any particular attachment to a country or culture. Okay. What are some good places? And then at the same time, what are some, what, where are some places where the visa kind of is beneficial to you and not too restrictive? So those are the two questions, the place and the visa. So
1: I'll, I'll tackle that in whichever way makes sense to you. Sure. absolutely. So before we get into that, I'll just make one other point about what we were just discussing. As for other people who are doing it, If you guys go to expatmoneyforum.com, we have a private Facebook group. We've got thousands of people in there who are going through this process right now. And it's so amazing because we've built a community. So as people are on the ground, as they're going through the process, they're able to share information and give support and talk about all these things. It's a really, really strong community of people. So if you go to expatmoneyforum, it's going to redirect you to the Facebook group, Um, It's really, really a lot of fun. I'm amazed at the connections we've made there. Okay, countries and visas. Visas is, first of all, one of my favorite topics in the whole wide world. And we'll just get our lexicon straight. So you have a tourist visa, which is just what you get when you enter into a country. You you just take an airplane at the border, you get a tourist visa. This is great. This allows you to stay in the country for 30 days or 60 days or 90 days, depending on whatever it is. Okay, tourist visa. Then you have a permanent residency visa. This one is gonna allow you to live in the country, work in the country, you know, maybe buy property there, build a business, basically stay there long-term. And then on the tail end, we have citizenship. Citizenship is when you actually say, okay, I am Canadian, I am English, I am Brazilian, et cetera, et cetera. You have that handy travel document, the passport. And you can also participate in national service or in the military service if that's something that you're into and you'll also be able to vote once again if that is something that you're into. So most of my people what we're looking at is permanent residency and maybe it will lead to citizenship Or there's other options for purchasing citizenship, it's called citizenship by investment. But let's just focus on that center ground right now, permanent residency. So some of the popular countries that expats are moving to around the world are certainly Mexico and Brazil. These are two of the most open and free countries in the world right now in regards to COVID. I mean, we don't have lockdowns in Brazil here at all. Um, I mean, people are out on the street, there's kids playing soccer. Uh, We can go to the grocery store, all the restaurants are open. It's amazing. Like for me, I love it. I don't, I like to be outside. I like nature. I like going for a walk and things like that. So for me, it feels like normal life again here in Brazil. Mexico is very similar way. Um, Panama is a very popular place, especially from the residency option. They have one program, um, it's a permanent residency visa and it's open to anyone from 50 countries around the world. So if you're Canadian, American, English, Western Europe, uh, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, kind of these set of countries, you can actually get a visa to live and work in Panama. And it's really affordable I mean the primary applicant is only three and a half thousand dollars and then you can actually sponsor your spouse or your kids or even your parents if you want to bring your parents along for example my mother travels with me she helps take care of my little girl so she has her visa and she lives in panama with us and the cool thing is that even if you're not sure like oh i want to live in panama right now full time maybe you just want a backup plan or a plan b where maybe you're thinking, I'm going to retire in three years or four years, and you want a nice tropical place to live somewhere on the beach, Panama's a great option because you can get the visa today. And to keep it active, all you have to do is visit the country one day every two years. That is amazing. That is unbelievable. I've lived in nine different countries now. Nothing else out there exists like this. Some of the visas I've been on, I mean, you have to have sponsorship from your company. And if you leave that, then it disappears. I help people do citizenship by investment. That might be a $100,000 or maybe a million dollars in real estate investment. And this one, just for a couple thousand dollars worth of legal work for help with your legal work, you can have this visa for the rest of your life. I mean, that's amazing. We help people with this all the time. And if you go to expatmoneyshow.com, you know, you reach out to us. I'm happy to give you more information and break down some more of the requirements and stuff like that but that is a really really good option i think for people
0: well you've you've, you've got my uh, my appetite for travel wet already <laughs> um fortunately we're gonna have to be uh it's not gonna be possible for the immediate future but it, i i've been um speaking with people recently who are in places like Mexico and Colombia as well, and I'm just always amazed that there are so many places like completely open at the moment. I really don't understand how yeah. uh, how that how, that works whether it's a political choice or whether COVID kind of sidesteps these <laughs> these countries or what it is. But that's a topic for another day. Thank you so much for this, Miguel. It's been super interesting. Where what, where where next for you then? I know you've recently moved to Brazil. What's on your bucket list of places to live? Ooh,
1: well, we're going to be buying a house here in Brazil. Um, I'm keeping my house in Panama. I think we're going to get another house in Eastern Europe. And then we have a couple places in China. So we're kind of setting up our flags. And because, you know, it's one thing when you're a solo traveler and going around the world, it's different as a husband and father. So we have certain amenities that we like. So we're going to be spending time probably in about four different places a year. I'll still use that. I I follow what I affectionately call the hub-and-spoke model. So I'll have one base of operations, and then from there, I travel out to all the neighboring countries. So, for example, when I lived in Australia, I went to Tonga, and I went to Vanuatu, and I went to Fiji. I went to Fiji like five times or something. And Hawaii, and I went all over Australia. That was my base. When I lived in Abu Dhabi for eight years, I traveled all through the Middle East. I went to all the neighboring countries, and I went to Turkey many times, and... You know, that's what I did. Well, we're kind of setting up some new bases now. And those are the big things on my plate right now. Um, We're helping a lot of people to get residency, to move overseas, to do in a more efficient tax manner. We're growing our Facebook group, Expat Money Forum, which I told you about. And I'm writing another book. I mean, my first book came out almost four years ago, I think it's called Expat Secrets, how to pay zero taxes, live overseas and make giant piles of money. Super humble title. I know I'm a humble kind of guy. That's how I roll, Ollie. I love it. But it's good. We, we, uh, we were very fortunate with that book. It became a number one bestseller. we sold tens of thousands of copies. You can pick it up on Amazon. I think that's a good primer for people. So we're going to write some follow-up books for that and some guides and additional resources to kind of help people do all of these things in the expat space.
0: Fantastic. So- in case people need a reminder, it's the Expat Money Show podcast. It's expatmoneyshow.com It's Expat Money Forum for the Facebook group. And I guess they can search um, expat secrets on Amazon to find your to find your book. Lots of resources there. I, I know there's gonna be a lot of a lot of cogs whirring in brains around the world now. So thanks so much for that, man. And uh, we will talk very soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Ali. I'll take you soon. Throughout doing the podcast, one of the most, one of the saddest things actually that I've heard from people who leave messages for me for the show is that they feel very isolated when they are learning their languages. They'll tell me things like, nobody understands why I care about languages. No one just gets this language passion that I have, and I feel very alone. And I know exactly what that is like. I've been through that for years, and that's one of the reasons that I started my Facebook community. Um, And it's a fantastic group with over 10,000 or many more by this point, actually over 10,000 language learners just like you just like me people who are learning one language who are just starting their first journey in language learning to those who already speak far more languages than me it's a fantastic supportive community which is very very well moderated and i'd love to invite you to join it's completely free and if you'd like to join you can go to facebook and search for ollie richards fluency mastermind that's on facebook search for ollie richards fluency mastermind you'll need to um, request to be approved but our moderators will approve you and you'll be in on the inside and you'll get all the support that you need there'll be a place to ask and answer questions Uh, i really think that you will enjoy and benefit from it and i'd love to see you there once again on facebook that is ollie richards fluency mastermind i hope to see you there